Good day and welcome to the Music Survival Guide podcast where we teach young Paduans to the ways of music promotion. <laughs> that, that down very Joe, how are you? I'm alright mate, that was your most interesting introduction so far. How are you mate? I'm doing really good. I've got full on into the, the Christmas spirit. Hurrah. Mm. Um, I'm one of those people. So we, we have a, a lovely little tradition where on the 1st of December um, we put up our tree and then we watch something vaguely Christmassy but not entirely Christmassy. So this time it was Oliver the Musical. So Die Hard. No, Oliver the Musical. <laughs> Old school. Die Hard's a Christmas film. I've not actually seen Die Hard. You're kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not. I know. I know. Well, I, I know to. what I'm going to buy you for Christmas. Oh, a joyous Christmas film. I was going to say, do you play Whamageddon? I do play Whamageddon. I do are indeed, you still in? and I'm currently, I'm currently winning. Yeah. <laughs> are you? Are you in? I'm still in. I got really nervous because I heard the intro to uh, Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas in a Shopping Centre," and I got nervous, Ooh. so I had to leave immediately. <laughs> the temptation to just ruin it for myself and put a clip on this podcast is very high, but then we might get sued for um... copyright infringement. That's the one. So maybe let's not do that. Anyway, no. Joe, what are we what are we talking about this week? So today we're talking about something that isn't touched upon that much, but I think is something I see too much. I don't see a lot, but I definitely see it too much. And that is studio meltdowns. Oh. Um what what might you mean exactly by a studio meltdown? What might one look like for want of a better phrase? So I think the what I'd describe as the Hollywood depiction of a studio meltdown yeah. would be, you know, arguments and beers being thrown around, someone getting hit on the back of the head with a Les Paul, that kind of thing. But I think more as an overarching theme, we just kind of want to help people not fall into the trap of having those small petty arguments that can turn into big arguments or disagreements mm. in the studio yeah that's fair um because it seems to be the phrase that i come back to again and again in the studio um time is money and time that you spend as a band having a disagreement is time that you've wasted not recording something um so avoiding that is preferable i would i would say yeah there's as, as well to add to that is with the whole budget thing is obviously a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are on limited budgets you can't afford the you know three month studio stint to write and record a single you've got to be in in and out pretty quickly so trying to avoid those small arguments that kind of eat up time because i don't think people appreciate how much time it does eat up even if they're only small hmm. minor ones they do eventually add up together and you kind of look back and you go oh wow we we spent half the day actually arguing about what we're gonna have for lunch that, that strikes me as a waste of time um <laughs> there we are i mean as a as a mixing engineer uh more than a recording engineer um I, I don't see much of this, but I imagine, Joe, you see more of it. Not necessarily all the time, but a fair bit. No, I think, like like I said before, I see too much of it. I think the mm. the massive thing with studio meltdowns is they're all avoidable. Every single one of them is avoidable. But unfortunately, some measures are taken that means that 
they do come about. Yeah. So I guess um, a lot of arguments, being being a married man, I can attest to this, <laughs> a lot of arguments come down to communication or miscommunication um, <laughs> in reality. So I guess, uh, yeah, making sure that you all have... Um, agreeable um ways of of communicating and that you understand each other is a really great start in the studio mm. i think it's really important to to have great communication like you said really in any any facet of life but especially yes. when it comes to um working in the studio because like you allude to there being in a band is kind of like being in a very weird relationship you pretty much are in each other's pockets. I know from personal experience, some of the studio situations I go into, we live together for the month where you're recording. If that, you know, isn't a weird kind of relationship, I don't really know what is. Sounds quite intense. Yeah, I think that's probably the best best phrase for it. Mm. Like you can spend 18 hours a day in the studio together, which again is a stressful environment because you've got budgets involved there are people you know like producers and engineers like myself who have kind of constantly got to keep one eye on the clock whilst trying to be creative and there's a people bring all kinds of stresses into the studio so having that kind of communication and laying everything out beforehand and not letting things bubble under is really really important yes 100 percent um i I'm sure that Joe has thought about recommending this book yet again, but <laughs> How to Win Friends and Influence People or How to Win Friends and Influence People in the Digital Age is 100% applicable. Um, that is a book all about effective communication and how to not waste time, I mm. would say. And if you haven't read it, read it. I am most of the way through it because I'm an incredibly slow reader, um, <laughs> but I'm taking it in and it is honestly amazing. I'm glad the recommendation stuck. Oh, yes. Um, so like we've mentioned just before, there's the notion of budgets and all that kind of thing. But I want to move slightly away from that and just kind of discuss the knock-on effect on creativity. So when you're heading into the studio, or especially if you're heading into the studio for the first time, it can be quite a scary experience. I'm sure Phil will agree with this, that... For the first time, your playing might come under scrutiny. And I mean that in the nicest way possible, that mm. if you're working with a great producer, they're going to try and get the best performance out of you. So they might kind of say, oh, can you maybe just try this, that, and the other? You're going to have other bandmates who are here, especially, say, for example, if you're a drummer, you're going to have your bandmates that are hearing your parts in high fidelity for the first time and are able to kind of make creative constructive criticism so it can be quite a nerve nerve-wracking experience and i think part of the reason why i see a lot of studio meltdowns is it is a build-up of those nerves and cons taking that into consideration when you're communicating and talking to people in the studio is really important giving them a bit of leeway if you know maybe someone's a little bit snappy it's because you know they were tossing and turning the night before and couldn't get to sleep because they're really stressed out about recording or that you know there's there's loads of things that are going on so just kind of having that a consideration that ability to just take a step back when needed i think is really important when it comes to studio etiquette mm. i think 
an important thing to do is to make sure you have these kinds of conversations about your sort of worries and, and potential kind of thoughts around it before you enter the studio. Um, because as we said, once you enter the studio, the clock is, is ticking, um, as precious as that sounds. Um, so making sure you, when you, making sure that you have those conversations before you enter the studio in a pub or, you know, whatever kind of social setting you enjoy as a band, um, that's a great place to just have a long, a great time to have a long conversation about these things. Yeah. There's an element as well where I'd say you need to clear two things. You need to clear any social issues. So if you do have things bubbling up, you know, i.e. some members maybe not owing money to various things or, you know, even the, the smallest of personal grievances, those things need to be ironed out. And also as well, I, I see it more than I should is actually sitting down, and this is maybe a conversation to have with your engineer and producer as well, and outlining what you actually want to achieve. The amount of times where I see bands going in and the drummer thinks they're doing these three songs and the guitarist thinks they're doing these two songs, and then they just, you know, they spend an hour, an hour or two having an argument about which which song should be recorded, which in itself, like Phil mentioned, is going to eat at your budget. And then everyone's in a bad mood afterwards. If you've employed a producer, you can kind of, you know, put them on the spot somewhat. I know with, with my style is I like to get myself really familiar with the songs before I go in. So if you suddenly turn around and go, oh, yeah, we're now doing these songs instead, it, it can totally throw everyone involved. So outlining those two things and i'd even recommend having it down in writing so that like that everyone's agreed upon it doesn't need mm. to be like a legal contract or whatever that's just daft but if you kind of go right we're gonna work on these songs and this needs to be done and we really hope we come out with this in the end and yeah managing managing expectations i think is the best bracket to put that under great phrase managing expectations um sort of thinking entirely practically on a similar note um if you manage to agree the songs before you enter the studio exactly which ones you're going to do it will mean that everyone has had proper time and space to rehearse um those songs uh going into the studio making sure you actually know your parts inside out upside down backwards um is essential uh for a really good and smooth recording because uh, i think another point of um tension is people not having rehearsed the parts and i i can imagine a conversation coming up of well you've had time you know these songs why can't you play it <laughs> and that's mm. just um such a such an easy little thing that you can um remove as a point of tension um if you just make sure everyone's rehearsed the music to a certain extent as well i'd extend that to uh just general instrument care and i'd even bring that into like vocals as well so, you know, someone could bring in their uh, drum kit that looks like it's been under heavy military artillery fire for the last <laughs> five years and then they expect it to sound great at the end and then you've got one band member who's got, you know, guitar in perfect intonation, it's just come out of the workshop and it's it's ready to record. So if you kind of outlay what everyone needs to do beforehand, and this is not a conversation to have 24 hours beforehand, by the way. Oh, no. This is something that you need to start considering as soon as you look into recording time. 
Yes. And I'm, I mean, if you're kind of worried about costs, because I know different instruments cost different amounts to upkeep as a, you know, if you were just a singer, then upkeeping your voice is probably a heck of a lot cheaper than upkeeping a drum kit. Uh, think Maybe think about spreading out the cost, sort of working out the total cost for everyone in the band and spreading that out. Um, it almost sounds obvious to say that, but that could be a point of tension that you, you remove in the band before you're even in the studio. Yeah, it could be worth having a band budget. So when you're setting out to do recording, unfortunately, in some circumstances, I see people go, right, okay, well, we'll pay for this now. And then kind of that will get sorted in a little bit. And then we'll think about mixing and then we'll pay that. But if you kind of go, right, our budget is X per song, find a mixing engineer that we want to work with, right, okay, he's going to be that much. Studio is going to be that much. Mastering engineer is going to be x amount and then you kind of go okay let's now split that five ways and in that budget you include fresh drum skins uh spare uh guitar strings spare bass strings and whatever's required really to get the to get the song out there because you're all you know in most in most situations you're gonna split the the profits evenly Mm. so why not split the costs yeah so why not? Yeah, exactly. And another really, really important little point about sort of um, instrument upkeep is a good quality and well looked after instrument is absolutely thoroughly essential for a good recording. Um, there's a sort of I've seen them all over the internet a hierarchy of what's important in a in a recording studio to get a good um, record and. As much as Joe and I love to nerd out over microphones and compressors and all these exciting things, honestly, they're not as important as a good, well-kept-up instrument. You could take a really amazing-sounding acoustic guitar that's been cared for and looked after and has fresh strings and has been set up properly, um, and you could put it in front of the cheapest microphone, and it would probably sound better than a really battered, cheap guitar that has been put in front of the world's most expensive setup. Yeah, it's a thing of a crap-sounding drum kit recorded really expensively. It's just a really high-definition crap-sounding drum <laughs> kit. <laughs> if anything, it just makes it sound even worse because you now notice all the horrible bits rather than just some of the horrible bits about it. Mm. So I'd also like to add a great solution to this and again it's a case of managing expectations and preparing is if you are sitting there and thinking right we're going into the studio and it's our first time i'm not sure what we're going to need for the studio what what expectations does the engineer have have of us to bring speak to the engineer send them a message every band i work with when they're mostly custom but it's 80 percent of just the template that I use is every band I work with, I kind of say, right, okay, well, you give me, this is, and we're talking like a month, month and a half before we head into the studio. I say, give me a rundown of everything you've got. So they will kind of go, you know, we've got this guitar, this amp, blah, 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 blah. And I'll go, okay, well, what you will need to do is you'll need to get this set up. You need to get fresh heads for this. You need spare of that, blah, blah, blah. And then if they do come in, and, you know, they say to me beforehand, we really want this guitar tone, like really want this chorus effect, but I see they haven't got it written down. I can bring my chorus effect with them and I can communicate that to them. Mm. 
there's nothing worse than them turning up and them going, which has happened where I've been in-house engineers at previous studios and bands have turned up and they've gone, right, okay, well, where's your drum kit? And I go, we, we, don't, we don't have a drum kit. So it's, it's having that communication and setting an expectation for what's needed and enough time to prepare for that expectation is really, really important. Yes. Um, I can tell you, if you are sort of nervous about the idea of approaching your recording engineer or producer or whoever it is before you're in the studio because you think, oh, I don't know what they'll say, um, don't worry about it. Any producer worth their salt will gladly, gladly have a conversation with you about your equipment and what's needed and what you know what you might need to do because ultimately it's going to make the, the recording engineer's life easier. Um, they'll get a better record and everyone will have a better time. Yeah, I'd much rather have the lengthy phone, or not even lengthy, but the phone conversation a month before about what they need to bring rather than having that conversation in the studio with them and then them realising, oh, crap, we, we can't do this now then. That is a much worse conversation to have as an engineering producer. Yes. Okay, so I feel like I should have referenced this when you brought up the... Uh, the book how to win friends and influence people is i think something i see quite a bit from being cc'd in emails sometimes i sometimes i question if i'm supposed to be cc'd in them i feel like they definitely didn't intend to is a lot of arguments can happen over via text and email because a lot of nuance is lost so what can come across as just a general message someone might interpret as aggressive or or trying to be mean so what i'd recommend is if possible, try and have as many of those conversations over the phone or in person. It's just a much more effective form of communication, especially if you're going to have to have a difficult question, you know, a difficult, a difficult conversation where you've got to kind of convince someone, say, hey, you know, well, I don't really feel like you're paying the right amount of money for this or you actually, turns out you actually owe me 50 quid or something like that. Those conversations are much better to have in person or over the phone rather than text. And they're probably, if they're sort of band member to band member, they're probably not the kind of arguments you should be airing in front of the producer. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you should put up an image to your producer, but there are some arguments and band things that producers probably don't need to see. And if it's you owe me X amount of money, that might that might be one of them. Might be worth thinking about. Yeah, it doesn't instill confidence if they also owe you an invoice as well. <laughs> if they're having that conversation conversation in front of you and you're going, oh, I don't fancy my chances of getting paid after this. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe, as a, if you're working with a band, how would you recommend um, that kind of communication between producer and uh, band? What would that look like? So I, it can depend from producer to producer. And I think part of the part of the selection process that you're working with when you're deciding on who to go with the producer is how they communicate with you you don't necessarily want someone who's more shut off or you might want to i, I don't know because the bands that work with me know that they're going to get someone who really likes talking about the project wants to kind of get ideas out there wants it to wants it to feel like an environment where no ideas are going to be immediately shut down. So everyone gets everyone gets to say. It, it For me, that's just more conducive to being a creative person. I don't want it to feel like no one is afraid of uh, certain people and they've got to mm. set certain standards. 
So yeah, I think there's one thing to always bear in mind is as a producer, they're also trying to be creative. You want the environment for them to be a friendly one. You want them to feel like they're they're welcome. And I know it sounds daft and there's people who will say, oh, well, you know, it's their job. They're getting paid. They should get on with it. But ultimately, you want them at their best and they will work at their best if you make the environment a great one to work in. So having, you know, a a friendly approach and an open approach to ideas is much more conducive to getting a better record than a scary or intimidating one. So I guess what you're suggesting um, is if you're a band and you're looking for someone to produce or record your next EP or album, um, you're looking as much for the style of production they do as much as that is important you're also suggesting that bands look for the kind of approach that the producer has um something that fits their their style and their way of working yeah i'd agree with that entirely there's pretty much every example of bands i've produced or worked with if possible i'll always meet them before even giving them a quote I'll always just go for a coffee and a chat and just get to know them because also there's something to consider that if they're a great producer and I hope people are working with great producers is they want to know if they want to work with you as well. They don't necessarily have to work with you if you're working with someone you're really, really excited about and they've got great credits. Hmm. They can pick and choose who they work with and like this podcast is basically all about we talk to each other so if you're horrible to one producer or one engineer it'll get round people will know. and if you're not you know a nailed on number ones you know or massive fortune producing record artist then people the people might start to kind of blank the emails and and decide to opt maybe not to work with you i hate mm. to say it but it, it, i have seen it happen yeah i know <laughs> different producers very much have different styles um so probably one of the most incredible and um weird stories that i've heard is um the producer of um slipknot i think a lot of slipknot um is produced by this one guy and he has this super aggressive approach to working with slipknot especially so he will quite literally throw chairs at them. Um, there were <laughs> the singer. I think well, one of the band members had a song about cheating on his wife, and then he made the singer sing this song while staring at his wife. <laughs> oh my god! Um, so if you want that, uh, there are producers out there that do that. But I would suggest that, depending on the kind of music you are, you may find that more or less conducive to getting a good recording. I just want to say this now. I will never do that. You won't throw a chair at someone. <laughs> no, I've never thrown a chair at someone. Do it I think better. I once, I once accidentally, someone would describe it as aggressively, threw a Kit Kat at a singer. But I was genuinely <laughs> just trying to. That's a was, very, very British version. I was just genuinely trying to pass him a Kit Kat and I just didn't realise how hard I threw it. Wow. Uh, it's, a, it's a different level, that, isn't it? so that's pretty much as aggressive as working with me gets that's fair so joe um 
Sorry, this is kind of me throwing more questions at you, just because you're you produce bands and I I sit at home and mix. Um, Go for it. So if you picture the scene, sort of, you're in the studio and obviously the clock's ticking and there's a full band meltdown. It's kind of all happening and there's a blazing round between a couple of the band members and the other band members band members are sitting around awkwardly, not really knowing what to do or where to look. How does the situation get diffused? quickly um because you want to get on with it as a band and you want to get you know a great record um but the clock's ticking so how how would you as a producer approach trying to diffuse the situation so i think that depends on a few things if it's a band i know and i've worked with a few times and maybe you know have relationships going back a few years then i think you can kind of let's be honest, you know the dynamics, you know who the leaders are of that band. You can take them to one side and kind of go, right, mate, like, you know, time's ticking, this budget's going. I'm I'm not particularly, you know, in my position, I'm not going to start throwing a hissy fit or whatever, but they're not going to achieve what they set out to achieve if they keep on arguing. And it's not going to turn out anywhere near as good either. No. So, uh, and I think, to be honest, the same approach would go for any band that I'd maybe try and just have a word with with one of them or maybe just all of them at the same time and kind of just try and communicate that I say, well, it's it sounds almost primary school teacher of me, but it's, it's their time they're wasting <laughs> at this stage. <laughs> there's, no, there's no detention involved, but I just don't... My fear would be that they look back on this and go oh, we, we didn't make the most of it. Mm. Because ultimately, it's, it's amazing. R- recording in a studio is, if you have correct communication, you found the right producer and the songs are great, it's honestly, it's, it's why I think, you know, it's one of the best jobs in the world because it's so fun. So it, it almost kind of breaks my heart when you see people fighting and wasting the amazing opportunity that they have to to be in a room often with their best mates and just make a, make a record, make a, make a piece of art with their friends. So yeah, I think it's, it's just kind of about trying to communicate that if it's something that needs to be sorted now, then get it sorted as quick as possible. And if it's something that can be sorted later, just shelve it as, as quickly as possible. There's also an element as well, and the same goes not necessarily for a fight, but also in the recording process. It is one of my nightmares, and I'm 99% sure I, I've never had a situation like this because I'm so conscious of it, is you can get in a studio, record, three days later, the rhythm guitarist goes, I never really liked that. Didn't really like what that was happening blah, blah, blah. Nightmare scenario for a producer because there's nothing you can do. And then they, as far as they're concerned, it's the rest of the band, the studio, the producer's fault. It's it's everyone's fault. So although I personally try and take it upon myself to make sure that if uh, there's a quieter member of the band, then I always ask, you know, what do you think about this? And mm. sometimes it's about kind of gauging, are they happy to do it? in front of the rest of the band or do I just kind of need to catch them when it's just them I'm not going to like send out the other members you have to be subtle about it 
and just kind of, you know, if you catch them in like the kitchen area, just kind of go, how do you feel? This is going. And sometimes they come out with, you know, there's a anecdote of a band that I will make, you know, remain nameless. <laughs> that they, um, the bass player was really quiet and I caught him like halfway through the session and I was just like, oh, you know, hey, how's, how's it going? And he was like, oh, yeah, it's good. It's going all right. I think um, I think I really like, you know, I wish I could have done this. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, oh, I wish I had this idea for this song. I was like, I, I, I didn't know. I said, well, everyone else is on a lunch. Should we go, should we go try it? Went and tried it. Rest of the bandmates came back. It was amazing. It was the best part of the song. So if you don't actively ask and make sure that other people or involved and make sure that it's, you know, as much their project as it is everyone else's. I'm not saying that you have to immediately take that idea. So if they do have a pants idea, it can be pants and everyone can reject it. But at least then they kind of go away going, well, you know, I had that idea, but it was pretty pants. And at least we tried it rather mm. than them going, I had this idea. And if we had done that, it would have been amazing. It would have been our best song ever. But because the producer or the rest of the bandmates wouldn't hear about it, you know, I'm going to get in a huff about it for the next year or so. True. That's that's exactly right. Um, and I think another thing which I don't think we've directly mentioned um, is when you are recording, um, emotion plays and the emotions of the person playing play a massive part in the quality of the take, especially with singers, but also with any musician. So if you're trying to do, um, I don't know, a really happy and uplifting song and you're in a really bad mood because you've had an argument, it's going to affect the way you play in really subtle ways. Um, and it's just something worth thinking about that you really do need to um, create a kind of atmosphere conducive to the music that you're making. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. There's, there's also just like a really small thing. And I know I've, you know, I was an assistant and an intern. I've seen pretty much every producer and engineer do this don't take offense if people ask you to leave the studio and i don't mean that in a horrible way but if someone's nervous especially singers if they're doing it for the first time the last thing they want to feel like is a zoo animal on the other side of the glass where they've got you know the rest of their bandmates with their head pressed against it they've brought their two photographer mates and you've got an engineer <laughs> and a producer and an assistant and an intern the intern's nan the family dog and you've got <laughs> You've got about 600 people in the control room. It can feel like a really daunting experience, especially if, like Phil was saying, you're doing this, you know, heart-wrenching vocal that's about, like, your first breakup or whatever, and you've suddenly got everyone, like, you know, crowding around and making you feel horrible. You know, don't be offended if people say, you know, if the producer says, I think it's just best if it's me and the singer for now. Just, you know, go get a cup of tea, go, go for a bit of lunch or whatever come back and then you know you can check it over and we can maybe do some more work on it if nobody's happy but that always tends to get the best results is if someone feels nervous maybe just send the rest of the band out because it's also vocals are by far the hardest one to do via parliament mm. there's nothing worse than because vocal takes are so subjective there's nothing worse and you know confidence damaging than a person does one take and the talkback goes on and then you've got three people saying oh well, you know can you do it like this and then you've got another member going oh can you do it like that and another member goes oh well that wasn't very good can you do it like this 
If you say that within one take and it feels like you've kind of got the whole world against you, you're not you're not going to improve. No. Might get worse. Um, to be honest, that's enough to make anyone nervous, especially if, if there's loads of people there that make me nervous. Well, yeah. To be honest. So I guess um, to sum up the topic, at least from my point of view, I'm sure Joe will have his fancy points or something like that. Um if you're if you've got potential points of conflict as a band, make sure you discuss those before you enter the studio, before the clock is ticking. Make sure you rehearse your parts so you know what you're doing. Um, make sure you carefully choose your producer or recording engineer so that they, uh, so that you're going to have a really conducive and productive relationship with them, and be open to ideas, um, and be open to any yeah any suggestions that that person may have, or any other band member may have. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with any of those points. The the only one I'd really highlight is just being open. Just the best form of communication is just kind of allowing as much communication as possible. Obviously, with the caveat of if it's going to be argumentative communication, try having that as much as possible and clearing the air before the studio. Try mm. not to go in with any arguments. And then happiness will ensue. And then, yeah, then you'll get the best product. I, I promise you, I promise you, you will. Unless, you know, you slip not and you're like having chairs being thrown at you. I don't know if they like it, but it happens. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I'll be employing those methods. Give it a go. Go on. <laughs> I'm, now, I'm now also worried that every band I work with that will hear this is going to expect me to be carrying Kit Kats at me at all time, on all times. <laughs> Joe Kit Kat Sage. That's what we'll call you. Don't. I've got enough nicknames as it is. Let's not get into that. Let's not get into that. <laughs> so that was Music Survivor Guide Podcast Episode 12, Avoiding a Studio Meltdown. It will help you and help your bands. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, then you can find Joe at joe at nevisaudio.com or you can contact me at phil at vortisoundstudios.com. These are all in the show notes, by the way. Or you can contact us both um, at musicsurvivalguidepodcast at gmail.com. I think that's the email address. It will be in the show notes. Um, we have a little Facebook group, which is called the Music Survival Guide Podcast. Come and join. Uh, the vote for our two opposing £1,000 home studio rigs is open please do vote uh, because i want to win we will see you next time take care bye